Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Thriving Minds Podcast with your host, Walter Parada, where we strive to provide you with empowering talks so you can live to thrive. I hope you find yourself in the right frame of mind, focusing on the things within your control. All right, so today's episode is about why it pays to be yourself, the story of Jim Cramer. So Jim Cramer is a financial TV personality on CNBC that has his own show called Mad Money, and that's been running since 2005. And before that, he's had a previous show called Larry and Kudlow offering their take on what's going on with financial news related to the stock market. He's a regular host on a morning show called Squawk on the Street. And it comes on just before the stock market opens for trading. And he offers his take on current financial news. And he does it with such great engagement to where he really lets his personality just be out there. You know, he's a loud, expressive guy that has these funny moments that can be over the top, but in a very enjoyable way. Showing a side that can make you envision just hanging out with him. He does such a great job taking his job very seriously, but does so in a very fun and entertaining way. And he'll call himself out on some of his blunders, doing an excellent job of not taking himself too seriously. You know, it is possible to be good at what you're doing and have fun while doing it. And in the financial industry, it can be pretty cutthroat where a wrong decision can mean the end of your job, possibly even the end of your career. But he pokes fun at himself where he's able to embrace that there's going to be bad investment decisions made. And others are going to make them are just inevitable. They're just a part of being in the industry. You know, this relates to life in general. We're all going to make bad decisions and they're just unavoidable. So he emphasizes that you just have to learn from them to succeed in making money. And in life really goes the same way. That he's able to break down what's going on with financial conditions. And he can relay that based on certain companies, and dives into the details of where it's informative and and engaging that gets you to want to know more. I can remember when I was first starting to learn the basics of how to invest, and I would just read many articles on how to do it and what to look for, but it really wasn't clicking for me. But then one day I happened to come across the NBC, flipping through the different channels, and actually saw Jim Cramer talking about certain companies that I knew about, and the way he and his anchor spoke was just very conversational in ways that I could understand it to make me say, okay, I see where this is going. He was able to break down all the jargon to make it very simple and clear, and because of this, he does such a great job of empowering others that they can manage their money successfully, and he provides clear tools that are needed so they can be successful. This approach of educating the listeners that he has, the viewers, is very enlightening and commendable because he tears down the big scary things by providing great perspective and context to what's going on, where it keeps you invested instead of pulling out your money and running for the hills. You know, it's human nature when scary things happen to panic, to just go into that survival mode Take what you have and salvage it. And in the stock market, part of investing is that there's going to be downturns. 
there's going to be those rough periods, days, weeks, months, maybe even a year where things are just looking bleak. And he provides great guidance during times like this. Stock represent part ownership in a company. And these stock prices and the indices are subject to the market. And they can lose value ranging from a couple of percentage points to half or more of its value, possibly all of its value. So for those in the industry, they understand that it's to be expected. It's just that they don't know when. Before and during times like this, Jim provides great guidance from a psychological standpoint that panic is never going to make you money. So when investors see that their stock prices have plummeted by 40%, Jim emphasizes to people, that's not the time to sell. You don't want to sell at low prices. And frankly, it could be at the bottom. If it's great companies with great fundamentals, then eventually the stock price is going to recover. But if it's an average company with average fundamentals or below average, then it may not recover at those original levels. But he'll state that even at those low prices, that's still not the time to sell. Eventually, there's going to be better time to do so, so you can minimize those losses. The education that he provides and all that valuable information equips the average person to have their money work for them. It's not just for the super rich or the wealthy, the super elite. He prepares them by mentally and emotionally that there's going to be those rough periods and you got to be able to see it through because if not, there can be the potential to miss out on significant gains and that's missing out on significant wealth creation. It's estimated that the yearly stock market gains come from just a handful of days where we're typically the 10 worst days of performance are followed by the eight best days of performance. It's extremely hard to time the market, know when to get out and back in because of many unknowns. So trying to be cute moving in and out could prove very costly. One thing to note is that back in 1980, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is the 30 most mature well-established companies known as blue chips, was valued at 891. Whereas today, the Dow Jones is now priced at 34948 or just under 35000 That's an increase of 3922% in value, which includes the stock market crash in 1987, the dot-com bubble in early 2000, the 2008 financial crisis, and the 2020 market crash when parts of the world were locked down. Some background on Jim Cramer is he was interested in finances from a young age and would stay up to date on what's going on. Even when he was in college, his answering machine was greeted by his top stocks that he liked, and that would change based on market conditions. At one point, when Jim was living on his own, all his things were stolen, including his checking account information, which was drained, and... All that was left was his car. So eventually he just lived out of his car for nine months and whatever money he could save, he would invest in the Fidelity Magellan Fund every month. Many times it'd be $100 at a time. And this just proves that your willingness and determination to do what you're aiming for, even if it's in small incremental steps, it may not pay off in the short term, but with enough consistent effort, it can. And Jim credits much of his success to investing at a young age. 
Eventually, he was able to work his way out of the situation and got into Harvard, where he became the editor-in-chief of the school's newspaper. He graduated and became a journalist, but eventually went back to Harvard for law school. He still found his way back to finances, providing investment advice to others. You know, his first client was a Harvard Law faculty member that gave him $500,000 to invest in, which he performed well at. And this actually landed him a job with Goldman Sachs, which is a premier investment bank. Then a few years later, he opened up his own hedge fund, which actually took a lot out of him. Waking up at 2.45 in the morning and then in the office where he would examine all the stocks that he picked that performed poorly. You know, because of his highly emotional state, it quite, you know, it kept him on edge. And while running his hedge fund, he and a partner of his started a financial analysis website providing tips and insights on what they thought of the market. And while initially it didn't take off, it eventually became a valuable resource for people who managed their own money to see what the Wall Street pros were doing. Eventually, he closed the hedge fund and led him to hosting shows. So in his hour-long show that he has, Mad Money, he adds that flair to where while other shows give their take on what's going on, what to focus on, he would make it a little bit more animated with some of his antics. He has these really cool buzzer sounds to emphasize the point that he's trying to get across, but he does it in ways that are relevant to the viewers. One of the most notable moments he had was when he went off in 2007, about a year before the 2008 financial crisis, where he slammed the Federal Reserve for ignoring signs of a severe recession. He even said that they know nothing. But this was a great take on his part to emphasize that something major was happening and he wasn't just going to take it lightly. His emotions helped, you know, signal to people that, hey, something is going on that could be catastrophic. Sometimes if you watch other financial shows, it can be a little bit dry and maybe even uninteresting. So he does a great job of capturing a different set of audience to want to learn about finances and how to invest their money. His mission is to help investors make money, to inform them what makes a stock good, which is based on how well a company is run. Investing isn't easy, but it is possible by doing bottom-up fundamentals and staying informed about the company through quarterly earnings calls and news. Through the diversity that he's faced, he wants to use that so others can learn. He's lost a tremendous amount of money, and that's what's made him better at his job. Many people who invest in the market are going to lose money, but they won't lose if they're invested in real companies that make money and return it to their shareholders. I think this is something very admirable where he just makes this information relevant and accessible where you can get in the game and be part of building wealth for yourself. Initially, what kept me from investing was just all the murkiness that came with it. And he's able to cut through all that to make things clear. There's still unknowns, but having the right information can help one navigate uncertainty. And, and what's really cool in a show is he has a session where he takes calls from viewers and they ask him for advice on a particular stock. And many of them thank him for the knowledge that he shares with them. But I remember this one particular caller, one lady that calls in and says, 
I remember when I first started watching your show, when it first came out, and I had no idea what you were talking about. And she says, now I understand. And Jim jokingly says back to her, oh, I had no idea what I was talking about either. That fun side of him makes him a little bit more likable. There was even another caller that stated to Jim, you know, he had a job that he hated. But through Jim's advice and investing in particular companies, you know, he made enough money to start a business and now left that job so he can enjoy life. And Jim just says to him, well, that's why I do the show for people like you to have that financial freedom to do what you want. Jim Cramer has also written several books on investing, breaking it down, making it more understandable. Before, I used to think about stocks as a hit or miss, that it was gambling because I'd hear things about market crashes or companies filing for bankruptcy or people losing a lot of money. But then the more that I started to learn, the more I understood that businesses naturally will go bankrupt if they're not properly managed well. But through Jim's advice, he's provided a framework to understand what makes a good business and what doesn't. And that as long as it's a good business model run by a great management team, over the long term, they're going to do great, which is going to prove as a valuable investment. He gets you to form your own philosophy on what you're trying to gain from investing, that the bigger the gains, the bigger risk comes with it. So there can be the potential of losing more money, but playing it safe can yield good results over the long term, but not significant outperformance. And he has some basic rules on what to do when a particular stock goes up by a certain amount. And this gives a, a good framework on what exactly to do when certain criteria is met. Him just being himself has paid off tremendously where, yeah, he's a workaholic, but he enjoys what he does. You know, the adversity that he's faced has helped him learn valuable lessons that has served him well and put him into positions that he's in now. Part of the reason why he's also named the show Mad Money is because of his emotions getting the best of him, and he's learned from it. But they ironically nicknamed him Jimmy Chill because he can fly off the handle at times. And this is nice to see because many of us have probably felt that same way where, where we just throw a fit and, and that makes him more relatable. It makes him more human where, where the viewers can see a millionaire lose his cool and know that how we behave is not that different. But what can make a huge difference is not reacting to those emotions and instead having the composure to figure out what's the next best step. Sometimes what you come to find out is that letting things play out, it's what's best or responding effectively is best, but rarely does acting on your emotion pay off. Most of the time, it can prove costly. It can help you survive, but not thrive. Sometimes a great company can lose 50% or more of its value, but if the necessary work was done to evaluate a great company, it's going to recover and eventually have massive gains. If you take a look at Amazon, it lost more than 90% of its value during the dot-com collapse, but its stock performance since it's become public has been 178,000 and 141%.
So selling at very low prices when the stock cratered would have meant losing out on significant gains. So Jim shows how to navigate the market and this can translate to life in general. We know that we all are going to experience adversity and getting in the right frame of mind is going to help overcome it. That panic is not going to serve you for the better. And if you prepared yourself well, you can ride out those rough periods through his unique personality and allowing himself to just be who he is. It's really educated me in a way that's understandable where maybe other financial anchors or hosts would lose my attention on specific details to what's going on. Jim Cramer provides this great way of bridging the knowledge that he has in a very digestible way to where when others in that same industry speak, that I'm able to become a little bit more acclimated to what they're talking about. So when he talks about specific things that is related to a certain company or the macroeconomic environment, instead of just assuming that the viewer knows what he's talking about, he'll further explain certain things that might be confusing or complex or off-putting to where the viewers can say, okay, now I understand what he's talking about. Because of this, it allows a great fundamental grasp of what's going on. Essentially, what this does is it closes the gap from the lack of understanding from those not in the financial industry to those that are, and it becomes less daunting and more about, okay, I get what this person is talking about. So when a show comes on, the opening line to Mad Money is, my mission is simple, to make you money. There's always a bull market going on somewhere, and I'm going to help you find it. And then he'll go on to say, Mad Money starts now. So that animation that he has makes it, right off the bat, engage me and a lot of other viewers. You know, this little bit of flair that he adds, or a lot of flair, compared to other shows, it really does make it enticing where he makes learning fun. And I actually really like what he says that you can learn and earn because you're learning about what's going on with specific companies and the investment environment that they're in and applying that knowledge so you can use your money to make more money. He does a great job of summarizing how the market performed and his overall thoughts on them, giving a game plan for the next few days or weeks on what to look for. Then he'll take a few calls from individual investors asking for stock advice. Some are direct questions like, Jim, what are your thoughts on Nike? Should I buy more shares, hold what I have, or sell what I have? And he'll give his take on it. And he won't hold back. Where if a company is very speculative or very poorly run, he's going to advise a caller to stay away from it. And others are more detailed like, Jim, I bought DraftKings at a much higher price than where it is now. And I'm down 40%, but the revenues are increasing by 30% since last year. The CEO expects to make more money, but they're not yet profitable. What should I do? And he'll give his take. You know, it might be like, just be patient. Uh, they're eventually going to get there. Or maybe he'll say, uh, cut it loose, sell what you have. So he gives custom advice on what's going to work for that caller. And this is really refreshing to hear because it's not the standard cookie cutter, do this and things are going to work out or avoid that and you'll be fine. 
He emphasizes that the younger investors can take on more risk when they're young, buying shares in companies that carry higher risk, which could include things like having more debt than what is considered reasonable, or the company not yet showing a profit, or even the company has not made a sale. Maybe that might be a little too far, but he'll do it in an explanatory way where it's not just yes or no, but he gives certain reasons like, you know, this company has a great product, good management team, and he'll recommend go for it. This tailored approach makes the listener feel valued. It shows that he's carrying out his mission, and he says that he wants the average person to be in the game, investing and managing their own money. Just about every show, Jim has many CEOs of different companies come on and give an interview where Jim asks them specific questions on the most recent earnings report or what they expect to deliver in the next couple of years, where the, where's the company headed and why should anyone invest in their company, or it could be to explain what's perceived as bad news. I can remember there was a company that had their stock drop over 6% in one day because of the earnings call stated that customer spend reduced from the previous quarter. But then the CEO came on Mad Money where he explained to Jim and the viewers that customer spend slowed from having a year-long contract to short-term contracts to have cash on hand just in case unexpected things occurred. And that interview helped explain that they didn't lose customers. It was just that the amount of payment was not as much up front. This helped explain what was seen as bad news as really an overreaction to what was said. And really, it turned out to be a buying opportunity. So Jim stresses to buy shares of great companies at discounted prices. And it becomes discounted based on misinterpretation. This level of transparency gives people the confidence that they should put their money to work. He really is a coach in the field of finance, giving people great perspective so emotions do not overtake their investment decisions. He consistently talks about when a stock goes up significantly in a short period of time, sell some shares to lock in those gains. This is just prudent investing because the downside is those quick gains can be lost and lose that original invested amount. He calls this being a pig, where pigs get slaughtered because of their greediness. They want more. That advice he gives is actionable and makes a significant difference as opposed to just generic advice. I remember I had someone tell me I should invest my money. Great. Thanks for that advice. What do I do with it? Invest in what? But Jim has basic rules on how to invest. Like the first $10,000 should be put in a low-cost S&P 500 index fund. Where that money owns small amounts of the 500 best companies. And it doesn't require picking stocks. It's a passive way to grow your money. He does a great job of being accountable where he calls out the stocks that have performed poorly that he recommended. He'll come out on air and just say, boy, was I wrong on that one. And he'll apologize to the listeners knowing that the words that he says carry significant weight that affects other people's investment decisions. You know, this shows humility, acknowledging when he was wrong. And, and that's a big proactive take on life to be able to admit when you're wrong because that's an opportunity to reflect on what was learned from from that pain that was experienced if you deny when you're wrong 
you deny yourself the ability to grow from what you went through, where it weakens you. Remember, growth can be painful at times, but it's a significant transformation that's going to serve you well in the long run. So by Jim admitting when he's wrong, he further builds trust with the viewer. This takes a lot of self-confidence to go on air and talk about where he messed up in. It's definitely not something that he's proud of, but he understands that it's important and individual investors can relate to this. There's been times where callers asking for advice actually tell Jim, man, I picked a stinker of a stock. What should I do from here? And Jim is kind enough and humble enough to say, well, we've all been there. We're going to make mistakes. And that's just part of playing the game. What Jim shows us is that it pays so much to be your full self, to not conform based on what others are doing. While many people might see him as off-putting or too much because of his big personalities, others look up to him because he does make investing advice a lot more accessible and feel like they're not being talked down to, but instead having a partnership. And I think this is really important to have in our lives because whether it's the jobs that we're at or the so-called higher-ups that we have in our lives, whether it's parents or people who've accomplished a lot more than we have, they're not above us. And sometimes they do talk down to people, maybe belittling them for a mistake or a slip-up, there to point out all the wrong things. I'm not sure if this is done to make themselves feel bigger by putting others down, but it's certainly something that's not tolerated. So if you're ever in a position of power, Use that to empower others and not just to your advantage. What good does it do you to be all the way at the top, constantly looking down on everybody else? Instead, be an asset, building people up to the great things that they can be. Be an asset to yourself by being yourself. There will always be people who will find something wrong with you, no matter what you do. So you might as well live life how you see fit. Remove those toxic people from your life and focus on being your full self. It will ruffle some feathers at times, but at least you're not walking on eggshells. Jim Cramer is a great example that letting your personality show is a great thing that could uplift others, whereas others can relate better. Avoid stifling yourself because it's going to cost you. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're interested in more topics like this, become a Thriving Minds member at www.thrivingminds.live. It's your personal development resource to help you build that right mindset so you can live empowered. All right, until next time.